Hey everybody, and welcome to today's News Tonight, the weeknight news show where we're joined by special guests and our lovely patrons to discuss the day's gaming news. I'm your host, Ash Paulson, and today I'm joined by my wonderful friends and GVG co-founders, Steve Bowling and Derek Bittner, but no special guest today. However, fear not, we have an entire slate of guests lined up for next week. We're going to be just guesting it like crazy next week. <laughs> so um, so we figured we'd hey, bring I, you a show. I have a guest already lined up for not just uh, this coming Friday, so one week from now, but two weeks from now. So we're, we're nice. doing pretty well on guests. It's just getting him lined up in schedules ironed out, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah, and as I've uh, teased earlier, we can look forward to Tim Gettys of Kind of Funny Games being on, on Friday next week. So that's going to happen. Mm. Uh, and then do you guys want to talk about uh, Monday? Uh, Monday we will have uh, Kadikaris, barring any other. He was supposed to be on tonight, but he had uh, some other things to get done. And, you know, hey, you got to get your own stuff done. So that's, uh, that's exactly. what it comes down to. So we'll have Kadikaris on Monday. And uh, Wednesday's yeah, not I, quite locked in yet. I'm, I'm trying to. Wednesday's not quite locked in. We have yeah. somebody in mind. We're just lo- trying to lock him in. And then the following yes. um, we- following Friday, we'll have Maseanella. I'm excited nice. about gotcha. Sweet. So. I, I, I'm totally going to take some heat for this on Monday, but this whole time, I, I totally pronounce Kadikaris's name as Katakaris. When I read it, when I read it, I just think Katakaris. I don't know why, uh, but clearly it's Kadikaris. So uh, I'm glad to know that before the show, so I can at least make fun of myself and not uh, knowingly walk into a mispronunciation. <laughs> um, nice. But uh, before we continue, we have a personal story. I want to I want to say a statement, but it's more of a personal anecdote from our sponsor for today's episode, Straight Lace. And Straight Lace says, "Hey everybody, hey everyone, Straight Lace here." Seven and a half years ago, I began my journey as an indie game dev, culminating about two and a half years ago with the release of my first game, The Sol Device. Inspired by some of my favorite games like Portal and conceptually based off some doodles I made in high school, the game is a puzzle platformer where the player's main ability is to create temporary platforms by shooting projectiles onto walls at the cost of the player's HP. I did my best to design thought-out puzzles to fully utilize this mechanic that required both thought to solve and skill to execute. The game features a large map to explore, new devices and abilities to find, three different endings, and a number of post-game challenges. The Sol device is available now on Steam, and I hope you enjoy it if you choose to pick it up. Oh, and one of the benefits of being a game dev is that you can update your game. At the mention of a specific YouTube channel, the latest update to the game now features a dog, and you can, in fact, pet it. I love it. Uh, I love it was added by me. Uh, It's it's located in the concept art room after completing any of the game's endings. Nice. Well, thank you for that straight lace, and that's awesome. Um, for those of you watching the VOD version, we're going to have a link to the Sol device in the description below. So uh, please make sure to, to check out his game, uh, you know, if you if you can. And I mean, why wouldn't you now? Why wouldn't you before? But now that it features a dog that you can pet, what's what's stopping you? Really, come on, what's yeah. stopping you? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and uh, I, so, I want to extend uh, my <clears throat> personal thanks to Straight Lace. He actually sent us each codes for this before the show. Oh, so. nice. Uh, oh be, sweet! We'll 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 be checking it out. We'll talk about it yes. next time we're uh, we're able to. Because uh, I know a lot of times we we download games and then time just goes by. So we, yeah, yes. there, that happens a lot. <laughs> we try to get stuff done and just it like does indeed. Yeah, <clears throat> it's amazing how fast time run time runs out just to do anything. Whether it's get channel stuff done, get outside work stuff done, play games. It's just it's. I don't know. We need like a pocket dimension where we can just escape to whenever we need to just to have time where, where time just goes at a crawl. I mean, 
Steve, I'm, I'm assuming you thought of the exact same thing I did when he said that, right? Yes. Yeah. Like, I, you, I, Ash is obviously not a DBZ fan. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we need okay. to now, now I got it. No, because... Uh, or the hyperbolic yeah. time chamber, as it's called Yeah, hyperbolic. I actually uh, know the hyperbolic time chamber. I was actually thinking uh, Scott Pilgrim, because Ramona Flowers can escape into her subspace yep. uh, uh, in her bag at any time, and, and that's just kind of like an old a little pocket dimension. But yes, the... Hyperbolic time chamber. That's where uh, Goku goes to train under King Kai, right? Uh, no. Oh, come <laughs> no. on. It's not? I can't, I can't uh, no. on this, especially this, with this, uh, this... Brandon Bovey on the chat right now. Uh, nice. That, that is King Kai's planet, which also, little little DBZ nerd fact for you, has the exact same gravity as the Saiyan's home planet, Vegeta. Okay. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's a, it's a chamber. It's a, basically a pocket dimension where you can train you can train for a year in the time of a day passes in the real right. world. So one okay, day I knew in, that for some reason I thought it was, yeah, I thought and, it, for some reason I thought it was associated with the King Kai, but I knew that it, what it actually was. Okay. Cool. okay. Super, super reveals that there's more than one of those too. Like they find Ooh. another one on some weird planet and Goku trains in there. And I need like, to catch up on super, I need to get reason, the, that Viz app. Yeah. Oh dude, the Shonen jump app, $2 a month. It's like the best value in in nerdery anywhere like mm. two bucks a month to read unlimited manga is is my jam i but, mean that's uh, fantastic is, is it better everybody's than talking though? about granola oh man yeah yeah we could we could go on this whole thing about granola but i have this this like theory like this charlie from it's always sunny theory like about just what is going to happen in this new arc with granola and seven three and the angel powers that he absorbed that's a whole other. That's that's like a whole episode I could do. But. Yeah, is this, exactly. is this still Dragon Ball? Are we talking about a character named Granola in Dragon oh, Ball? Yeah. All yeah. the Dragon it's Ball. It's a new character that just showed up. I love it. Okay, sweet. Yeah, I, I love the, Dragon Ball character names. I I love them. Oh, they're the best. Say, yeah, they're yeah. they're all named for food. He's a cerealian, seri- which I mean, come on, that's fantastic. <laughs> that is amazing. Oh, that's so good. Oh gosh. Yeah. Uh, real yeah. quick, I just want to address because uh, I've seen a couple questions come up in the chat. Uh, my hand is much better. I'm not 100%. The bandage is off, but it still hurts quite a bit. Uh, but I can, like, type now and edit videos now, <laughs> which is good. He's, he's stronger than ever. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> Got that I'm, at, I'm at, like, 85% strength. I could use some time in the <laughs> in the uh, room of spirit and time or the hyperbolic time chamber just to heal the damn hand. But uh... <laughs> we, just need, we just need to cast Asuna on you, or Asunaga, depending on how bad your uh, your hand injury is. But uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I feel like I feel like a, a sprained hand is, it counts as a status ailment, right? Doesn't that count, or is it just I a guess. regular cure spell? I don't I know. I guess it would be a status ailment. It'll get better, right? I don't know. It yeah. better get better. <laughs> <laughs> like... Yeah. Um, oh, BJ Bovia says that Granola is basically a Chrono Trigger character, which you've had me at Chrono. That's that's all I need to hear. I'm, mm. I'm he really does... interested in this character already. He, he really does look like a Chrono Trigger character. He's nice. The, the hair design, the gear he wears, yeah, it, it definitely gives off strong Chrono Trigger vibes. <laughs> Next Patreon nice. goal is to get Steve a bionic hand. I am. Down. I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. And I'd, I'd uh, Young Ben the Kenobi time says, for just wanted to say to, Steve like... is looking great today. Oh wow! Wow, thank you. I uh, I didn't right? do my hair. <laughs> I guess the less effort, the better. There you go. That's that's how it all goes. Um, man, I I, I love the time and the ability to just uh, chat manga with Steve for a while, right. for like a, for an hour, <clears throat> just talk about what we've read and just catch up on that and be fun. Oh man! But there was... is something else before we actually get to the news that we did all do. 
uh, before this. Yes, we did. This one. (laughs) So how about that Balan Wonderworld demo? Because I attempted, I attempted to put a playthrough up of it. At least my idea was, oh, cool. I'll show off the Switch version and the PS4 version. Because, uh, you know, we got two levels right off the bat. That's nice and easy. I could show off the boy and the girl. There's a nice amount of differences. Except my recordings decided to screw up. And double up on the audio just because of me not muting a certain thing. And it was in the video itself. There was no way for me to fix it. And um, I love you guys, but not enough to replay this demo for (laughs) basically two more times in order to uh, show off the differences. Um, Because, oof. Uh, Basically, what I can say to sum up my thoughts on the demo from playing both the Switch and PS4 version, which get the PS4 version if you're going to get this game because Switch is a little rough. Um, I like the world design. There is really nothing to do. The powers are kind of uninspiring, and it really does just feel like baby's first platformer. <laughs> it just, it's just I, I'm, kind I'm, of my thoughts on dull. yeah. It is. And I have complicated thoughts because I wanted to believe in this game, right? It's Yuji Naka. The, the, obviously, the, the aesthetic is, is kind of based on knights. I love that. And I, and I just I want to give this game a big warm hug because it is trying so hard to be a Saturn-era 3D platformer. And I love the thought of that. I love the Saturn. But, and I love knights. But the game is just so janky. And you can't overlook that. It is so janky. Even the running animation... Looks like it's just, it's so, it's way too fast for the pace the character's actually taking. And it's just, it's such a shame. And it's, it reminds me of a lot of the, you know, more average 3D Sonic games. And I guess given the pedigree, you know, it's just, it's a shame. Because, again, what it's trying to be, I love it. And I respect the hell out of that. But it just doesn't, the actual game is not very good. Yeah, so I mean, I've I've been saying from the beginning that this game wasn't going to be good, <laughs> so, yeah. and I was right. But um, the biggest the biggest issue for me, I agree with you one hundred percent. By the way, Ash, it is so trying to capture that late nineties Sega Saturn nostalgia, specifically nights. Like I remember when when the bad yeah. guy, I guess he's the bad guy, shows up. I'm like, oh, that's Riala. Yeah, exactly. Was, I, I uh-huh, said the same, same thing. It's like, oh, hi, Riala. Yeah, uh-huh. Riala with like the dollar store T virus that turns you into a <laughs> turns farmers <laughs> into rabbits for some reason. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I got strong Knights vibes off of it in terms of just the the overall feel, like the fact that the world is dreamlike, and even when you pick up like the what are they called, like Balan fragments or whatever. The sound that mm-hmm. those make when you pick the them Tims. up sound like when you get orbs in nights. Are they Tims? Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah they're like, called Tims. They're called why? Tims, yeah. Like every every <laughs> everything they did. It's with the Isle of Tim. Was a big question. Like, why is it the Isle of Tim? Why do the characters look like brat stalls? Why? Why not the Isle of Steve? Yeah, it be Steve. Yeah. See the Isle of Steves? I mean, <laughs> maybe I still wouldn't play it. I'm not gonna lie. Like, um, <laughs> the power ups were just nonsensically bad. Like all of them. Yeah. There wasn't one. I was like, I'm a tornado wolf. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, yeah, yeah, like, I, there's I can... no through line. They yeah, always I... felt a little limited every time. Exactly. Like, there's like, no baseline set of a... any game where all the buttons do the same thing is not a good game. Oh, I was pushing all the buttons and I'm like, wait a second. Everything jumps? What's what's up with that? And then I get them. It's like, oh, no, this is just too simple for its own good. Right. Like so, there's no. Yeah. Imp- there's no impressive part of that. Uh, and the other thing that I've noted is like. What's the point of having these costumes behind keys? 
when the keys are always six inches away. Yeah. Right. And you can also keep, you can just keep collecting the same key over and over again. And I didn't get far enough to see if there's a point, if that's intentional, but it seemed like weird that you could just keep collecting the same key repeatedly and it would add to your stock of keys. Well, you get hit once and then you lose your costume. So then you have to go back and get a new key and then unlock the costume. Because mm-hmm. I, wa- I was like, oh, that's what that's why then. Okay. But it yeah. was just such a weird system. And then I thought like when I found what is the hat dude's name? Is he, is he Balin? Yeah, he's Balin. Okay. Yeah. When you find him, those sections are trash. <laughs> like, Yeah, they are. They're the, like the quick time events. Yeah. yeah they're not like, what? Good. I, I was thinking like, oh, this is the knight's moment where I get to play as Balin. Right, wouldn't that be cool if you could actually play like a knight's section instead of just like, I'm going to show off with this quick time event and if you get all excellence, here's another statue. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I was nothing, like, my five-year-old looked at this game and he's like, this doesn't look good at all. (laughs) I was like, so you called it baby's first platformer, but even my baby in terms of gaming was like, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh, I'm not playing this. Imposter says in the chat that it was 100% meant for mobile devices originally, considering there's only one input. And I could see that. I could yeah. see this being a mobile game that they're charging 60 bucks for on and consoles. And it would work better, honestly. Mm-hmm. It would make more yeah, it probably sense, would. But... You'd be a lot more forgiving. Yeah. Dennis J asks, asks a question I was when I was playing, which was, uh, why are all the animals dancing and they disappear when you get close? It, that is the right. weirdest thing, right? They just disappear and there's no... Yep. There was Reason one time I, you get a checkpoint and all of them around and I happen to have a thing that I could attack and I attacked them and they just all disappeared like on their own. They ran off. I'm like, oh, okay. But why is there just random animals hanging around? Like it's, it seems odd that we don't have context for a lot of this stuff. Like yeah. why, are we, why are we involved with this farmer? Um, in fact, okay, uh, I know they didn't have any voice acting or anything like that with um, – Nights and you kind of had to interpret, but I had a better idea of exactly what the protagonist deal were in Nights. Here, I'm yeah. like, kid's really good at dancing and all of a sudden has self-confidence yeah. issues and leaves. And the girl's even worse because right. all the maids in her house are talking about her and she leaves. We why? don't know why. We, like, yeah, I, I played as the girl and I'm like, why are you okay? Why are these maids talking about you? What, why are you just not confronting them? What is your issue? I feel like I've, I've got like the beginning of a story, but no, or like chapter two of a story, but not chapter one. And then everything else after that's missing too. It's really weird. See, I think the thing that's missing here, and I, I think one, this is a great cautionary tale of what happens when you give people just unchecked power. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yuji Naka and Naoto Oshima are a great pair. They designed Sonic the Hedgehog, but they also had direction from the higher-ups at Sega being like, we want a million seller, something to combat Mario. That's the narrow path you need to go down. And I feel yeah. that Yuji Naka could benefit from a little bit more of that. <laughs> Just say, you know, right. here's, here's yeah. what we want Sonic you to build. Sonic was also one button, but it worked for the 2D platformer. Yeah. For a 3D platformer, like, Sonic was felt built better around that, that concept. And going into 3D, none of the powers are interesting. And I didn't get, I didn't play through, I only played through the two levels because I was try, trying to do my comparison thing and I wasn't playing a third time. So I was like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but I heard, you know, I'm sure all of you saw that Twitter post about the Fox box where you just randomly turn into a box and you carry momentum and you can fall off the edge. No, I hadn't heard about that yeah, yet. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Oh, oh really? Wow. 
Yeah, there's apparently a, a power-up called the Fox Box. And whenever you're the Fox, you'll randomly turn into a box and you'll keep your momentum. And so somebody was doing this and they posted it on Twitter where they just kept that momentum and slid right off the edge. Wow. <laughs> and, Jim and I... Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Derek. Oh, I just, and the other thing is just... There's no challenge. Like, None. In the, None in the two whatsoever. levels that we played, and that I played, I should say, there was, I believe, seven enemies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's why I didn't six know Six normal that you enemies and one mini boss. That's why I didn't know that you lose keys when you get hit, because for the short time I played, I didn't get hit. And I'm sure I will when I go back and play the whole thing. I well, actually fell asleep fairly quickly into it, not because it was that bad, but because I'm still in my post-Cyber Shadow review lack of sleep and that's why i look like crap today i apologize everybody um but uh so i just kind of fell asleep so i do intend to go back and maybe i'll, I'll record it you know like record a playthrough for the channel because here's the weird thing about this is as 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 janky as it is because of what it's trying so hard to be and what it reminds me of that late 90s saturn era charm i kind of want to play it anyway even though there's yeah. absolutely no I mean, there's just, there's no there there. It's such an empty game, but the visuals and the music yeah. are it's so It's an interesting Saturn world. Era. It's a good, yeah. it has good music. The cutscenes are gorgeous. Like that battle yeah, cutscene is straight out of, is basically a 3D, never had a friend like me. Yeah, there I was going to say. really good, trippy very, visuals. Very strong Aladdin vibes in that opening cutscene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh, speaking of that. I don't I don't oh, play ahead, Monster Hunter Rise. That's going to be all Brandon. I still want to review this game if I can. <laughs> yeah. That's true. There you go, man. Um Jim and I says Balan makes me so uncomfortable, lol. Why does he literally kidnap you at the beginning? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Why does any of this happen? Like you gotta why does find anything... your missing heart? Apparently, a piece but... of missing piece of your heart. But yeah. we don't even know what that is. There's no but there's no context for this. I'm Here's hoping because thing, it's a demo there's that's why there's no context, but I'm kinda doubt it. <laughs> right. Was was Knights any better? Answer that question real quick. Yes. Was Knights any better from a narrative perspective at the very beginning of the game? I think it's a, I, I do think it's a little better. You get I mean the, you, yes. You have the nightmare they're... elements and like you can kind of get into the fears of them. Plus it also has the benefit of the fact that, you know, it comes with a manual where it goes over much more of this detail. Well, and right. Back in the day you read the manual. <laughs> that's that's my point, is that as a game, like it feels like their design sensibilities haven't evolved whatsoever since what, nineteen ninety five, six? And I mean, I, I would say that, that with knights, yes, their motivations <clears throat> excuse me, Elliot and Claire, their I think it's Elliot. Uh, yeah. Their motivations are paper thin. Definitely, I get that, but they they're still there. Like you still know, even even if it's mm. a paper thin plot, you know why these kids are suffering. You know why they you know are, are having to contend with their nightmares. And you don't know why you're becoming knights. You're just sort of like, oh, it's a video game. I'm going to do this. Yeah, right. But it also has like a totally awesome moment where you know the kids lose the ability to become knights in that final stage. And all of a sudden, so they're cool. flying on their own. And it's like there's a nice triumphant feel sure. to the whole thing. The, the one and thing then, I, I want to point out, though, for its time, Knights was a very beautiful game. Balan Wonderworld is ugly as sin. It is yeah, an ugly really. ass game. Yeah, you guys Except played on PS5. Cutscene. Yeah, I played yeah. PS5, and it looked like a bad early-gen PS4 game to me. Like, I mean, yeah. Blades of Grass popping in in environments that were utterly lacking in detail. Like... I would have said that this looked good for like a mid-tier Switch game on the PS5. 
I can't imagine how it looks on Switch. I'm not sure I want on, to know. On Switch, it's definitely... Oh, it is jaggy as all get out, and it takes longer for that grass to load. <laughs> I mean, I'm not so sure that, that it's... I, I feel like even higher-grade PS3 games look better. I'm, I'm thinking back to the original Last of Us, That's and fair. that looks way better right. than this game does. That's true. So <laughs> it's really weird. Um, but it, it's also un- unfortunate, because it's clear there's a lot of budget put into this game. That opening cutscene's beautiful. And I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. I feel like I'm at a Cirque du Soleil show. This is pretty neat. Balan kind of creeps me out, and he's not charming like knights. But, you know, this is pretty cool. And then the game hits, and it's just like, whoa, where did, where did they prioritize this budget? Yeah. <laughs> well, we could probably talk about this yeah. even longer, but we That's should probably true. actually get to the news. <laughs> I do want to ma- uh, mention one thing, and that is that I played two demos. I Balan and I played East 9, and I won't spend time on this, but I'll just say that it, it it feels exactly like what I was worried it would be in the trailers. You guys know I loved East 8. This mm-hmm. feels like East 8, but without the super cool, super colorful deserted island setting. And So not a good they, week they, for they, they take No, I mean, they, they take that <laughs> setting, and it's now just all these really drab interiors with very little to inspire them. It's, they're not memorable. I don't know. East 9 just feels like East 8 without the personality. So I don't know. Hopefully it's just a demo talking, but... I, I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. Um, but with that said, let's go ahead and move on to our first news story of the day, which is unfortunately a downer, but uh, it's important that we talk about it. Mm-hmm. And here we are. All right. And I'm just going to go ahead and read our tweet from Capcom Dev 1 here, uh, which says, We here at Capcom R&D 1 are deeply saddened to hear about the passing of Jeanette Mouse, the talented actress who helped bring several different characters, including our witches, to the world in Resident Evil Resident Evil Village. Our hearts go out to her family and loved ones. So yes, the actress who played the witches in Resident Evil Village has sadly passed away. Um, I don't know if we know exactly of what or how, but that's not important. The important thing is that uh, you know her fa- her family and friends are able to grieve during this time, and it's uh, really sad to hear. So of course, our hearts go out to her family and friends as well. Man, yeah, it's it sucks. I don't know why where it came from. I don't think I've ever heard of her before. Me but neither. yeah, so according it's to the still chat, like, I think she was thirty nine. Yeah, she was thirty nine. Multiple Jeez. folks are saying it was uh, cancer, and that that is oh, no, it was cancer. Awful. Oh, okay, I mean, and thirty nine. That's that's a year older than me, which is not great. yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah. that's a. That's when you think about that when you when you hear about. Yeah, with people passing away that are just a little bit older than you are, it's it's definitely a sobering, like, oh, man, moment. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at her IMDb page, and she didn't. She actually was ma- mainly a TV and short film actress. Um, nothing I've personally watched myself, but, um, you know, she did have, she, you know, Resident Evil was actually her first, like, video game thing. Uh, so that's pretty crazy. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it's just sad that it it's happened. Tragic. And like, I'll be honest, those, those witches that she's playing, um, they seem like they're going to be pretty iconic. <laughs> like you're yeah. not going to forget these things. I mean, I know that when I, when I played the maiden demo, <laughs> when one of the witches gets in your face, it scared the hell out of me. It was a, you know, definitely a, play a, that. A jumpy yeah. moment, and uh, Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, clearly she did great work in Resident Evil Village, and uh, this is just horrifically sad. I mean, you know, cancer is just—I, you know, I've dealt with it in my own family, and so many of us have dealt with it in, in their, you know, and other families, and it's just—it's 
awful. It and it's uh, it took her away too soon, and it's just a really mm. really sad thing to and and again, you know, like we're all in our thirties. She wasn't that much older than than we are, and so it's just it's a sobering reminder that nothing is guaranteed. Annual nothing checkups, folks. Go to your doctor. Yes. often, even if you don't yeah. think yes. anything's wrong. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well. With that said, uh, let's go ahead and move on to our next story, which unfortunately is also kind of a downer um, in, in a much different context. It's been not one of those weeks. Serious, a context, but uh, yeah, let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Uh, and that is that uh, Roger Craig Smith, uh, the uh, the voice of the the beloved voice of Sonic the Hedgehog for ten years, uh, is leaving the role. And he says in his tweet, "Onward to new zones. Much love to the fans who've been so kind." It's been an honor, and there's been a lot of speculation about what's going on here. If he just decided to walk away, if he was fired or replaced, and there, there's well, we're, we're going to talk about this later on in the show too. But there's a lot going on at Sega, it's and, Sega and Tara yeah. Strong, a fellow voice, a, a fellow voice actress who I also know as well through my dad, uh, weighed in on this, and she says, "Garbage. So sick of insanely talented legacy voice artists collaboratively creating massive character success." being so easily replaced so it, it, to, to she, hear she Tara definitely tell it, this is a hard yeah. this, she's felt this before where she has legacy yeah. characters and then they're taken away for certain things i think she was right similarly upset about the whole powerpuff girls not using the original voice actors yeah, you know ash uh, exactly. I'm, I'm with the folks in the chat what's the uh, larger story at sega because i don't think all of us are informed on that uh oh just Oh, go ahead. So go ahead, ba- the basic idea, because I don't think we have a uh, have it in the news topics here, just because there's oh for so some reason many. I thought we did. I guess yeah, we don't. No, yeah, we don't. Um, basically, there's some restructuring going on over at uh, Sega where they're sort of consolidating a lot of things, Uh-oh. and it's making it seem like they're prepping for. There's it's rumored to, to seem like it's prepping for some sort of buyout. Uh, that's that's. A major rumor going on right now. So it split its... I'm, I'm just looking up the article now. It split its amusement and video game divisions. Um, Interesting. And that'll be taking uh, place uh, effective April 1st. So both of these new businesses will remain under the ownership of Sega Sammy. And the move is intended to accelerate global business development by streamlining, streamlining Sega Sammy's structure and accelerate decision making. It's also noted that the split is intended to transform Sega's business structure to adapt to the external environment. I don't know what, do not know what that means. But basically it comes across as tidying things up behind the scenes. And in the process, they also triggered speculation of Sega's bosses making sure any potential purchase of Sega uh, could go ahead as smoothly as possible. Now, I'm not one to believe this because Konami basically said the same thing where they're restructuring and getting things set up. And, of course, people are like, ah, they're going to be, you know, bought and sold off the games division and all that stuff as well. What a lot of people don't realize is Konami makes bank (laughs) in Japan between Mm -hmm. Pachinko and uh, their mobile games, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. They they make tons of money. They they probably (laughs) they make less money off a AAA game than what they're doing now. So yeah, I, I, I it's hard to say, but it does lean lean to the idea that Sega is doing some sort of massive. Mm change up over there interesting and so, right there's okay. actually more to this as as far well, as the see, next the topic is, which let's kind of tie into this as well but go ahead ash well and not only that we actually we do kind of t- touch on this later in the show too with with the future news story uh discussing toshihiro nogoshi which i kind of 
took to be part of all this anyway, because it seems like there are a lot of high-profile switch-ups happening at Sega. But with that said, I think we, like you said, Derek, we can go ahead and wrap the next news story into this. So let's go ahead and get that on screen. Yeah, I, don't, I think it was already supposed to be one one big thing anyway. Yeah, so. it was. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> then, then, yeah, so Sonic writers, uh, or former, apparently, Sonic writers, Ken Pontak and Warren Graff have now suggested also that they're no longer going to be writing Sonic games. So it isn't just Roger Craig Smith, and as we find out later, there are it's not even just Sonic uh, uh, personalities over at Sega. But, yeah, so they uh, suggest about 48 minutes into an interview that uh, they had a good run. And uh, meaning a good run writing Sonic games, and they don't ever outright say they're done, but that's kind of what the the assumption is. That it sounds like they are. So Sega's, you know, even if they're not, you know, being bought and going to be acquired, we don't know that for sure, obviously. And I agree with you, Derek. I'm, I tend to believe that maybe it's not going that far, but there's clearly something big happening over at Sega in terms of shakeups, and especially yeah. where Sonic is concerned. Yeah. Um... It- it is definitely an interesting sign that they're splitting off their amusement division from their from their video games division. I don't think... So if I remember correctly, and I haven't kept up on Sega Financials for a while now, but I know that for them, at least in Japan, Fantasy Star Online 2 has really kept them afloat in, in on the Japanese side for years now. Eight years. <laughs> so um, I don't know that the... I, I have a feeling that the games division is doing good, but... I think we reported this on TNT earlier uh, last year was that Sega closed down a ton of their game centers in Japan. Yeah. So that amusement division right. isn't doing so hot. So, it, I mean, I mean, COVID there's, probably there's good... is not helping. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure COVID isn't helping, especially since Japan just went into a new lockdown. Uh, but they might be looking to offload that amusement division, which would be sad. Um, especially since I've never been to Japan and never been to a Sega Game Center. Uh, I've only seen them vicariously through the Yakuza series, but I can only... Sega got their start in arcades, so that would be really Mm, interesting for them to get rid of that huge piece of their history. Um, I I truly hope, though, that they're not purchased by anybody, because I feel like if the games division was purchased, it would be Microsoft. Sega is really cozy with them, and I do not want that. If they have to get purchased by someone, please, please, please make it Nintendo. If Nintendo owned Sonic and Mario, oh my god. God. (laughs) That would be hype as hell. That'd be insane. That said, Nintendo also wouldn't use Sega's backlog of (laughs) franchises. It's true, but you know what? If if I could get a Sonic game, a Sonic platformer made by Nintendo EAD, ugh. Can you imagine? (laughs) I I would give my everything for that. Yeah. I, I don't know if say I don't know if Nintendo's the best choice for Sega, honestly, just because they have their PC division and stuff like that. I don't know if it actually works, um, but yeah, because you have to think yeah. about there. You know, there's also honestly, I think Atlas that you have to worry about, and yeah, yeah, I feel like mm-hmm. Capcom might be a better choice. Oh, I would, I would definitely, hmm. ideally, I, I just don't want. Sega's IPs locked to one platform. That's that's right. really the Completely ideal outcome agree. for me. Yeah. As long as they're right. free to publish where they want still, then I'll be happy. But if they had to be locked to a platform, I'd prefer it to be a Nintendo platform. Same. Right, right. But now I'm thinking about this about this potential, or not potential, but this idea of Capcom buying Sega. That could, that could lead to an actual, honest-to-God, Mega Man and Sonic crossover platforming game, oh, which God. would be the hypest <laughs> shit ever. Well, here's, ever. Here's the thing, and I, I know... 
we don't know. I, I've seen people talk about um, Roger Craig Smith's time at as Sonic and how he did a really great job with the character, even though the writing wasn't always up to snuff. And the entire time he was as Sonic, it was Pontac and Graf doing the writing. I don't know how much final say they had with the, the scripts because, you know, the strange choices for forces. And I kind of doubt the guy, same guys who wrote Colors did these. But... <laughs> um, uh, did that game, but it, it's an interesting commentary on that. And a lot of what a lot of people were hoping for is that oh, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. The guy who wrote the Sonic, the writes the IDW Sonic comic. Um, oh, Ian Flynn. Ian Flynn. No, he did. Is that IDW? Yeah, IDW. Yeah, he, did, he yeah. does IDW. Right. He's, he he yeah. was doing uh, Archie, Archie as well, but he went over to, over to IDW as well. Yeah, but yeah, Ian Flynn writing Sonic. That'd be pretty cool. That, uh, cool. that that that'd be interesting to see him taking on that uh, the the game side of things as far as plots because we know he can write a damn good plot. Yeah. Um. I need I need to catch up on the IDW to- comics because I hear they're excellent, as uh, C Wing Sun says. Mm-hmm. Um. Ian but, Flynn's a great writer in general, and just, yeah. just a, a great video game comic writer. Period. And he did an amazing job in Sonic. Hmm. Now, I, I do want to bring up something else because I, I, I want to mention this because my friend put in a ton of work on this. And you, many of you might even know him. Uh, this is uh, uh, Gareth from Find the Computer Room. And he, he, <laughs> we, we text uh, every so often. Uh, and he actually did this whole thing <laughs> going over the voice actors for Sonic over the years and what they've done and how long they've lasted. Wow. So first up, of course, was Jaleel, Jaleel White from 1993 till 1999, wow. where he did, you know, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, Sat AM, Sonic Underground, yeah. and apparently even something called Sonic Xmas Blast. What the hell? <laughs> ah, okay. Never heard of that. Sonic Underground was, it wasn't good, but it was fantastic, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> and then Martin Martin uh Martin Burke was the voice actor for Sonic during the uh Sonic OVA. Okay. Uh, so that was that was well known. Video game wise of course is Ryan Drummond who took over with Sonic Adventure uh and voiced the character from 90, 1999 to until 2004. Um but in J- uh 2003 that's when Jason Griffith took over from 2003 to 2010, of course doing the Sonic X stuff and all the games we know from Basically, Shadow the Hedgehog until Sonic um, uh, Sonic uh, Unleashed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger Craig Smith was the one who voiced him the longest uh, right. at, for, for, that, for those 10 years, uh, covering just the main series, the spinoffs, the booms games, uh, the little shorts. He voiced him in Wreck-It Ralph. He was Sonic for that entire time. And he actually... Um, he, according to him, according to Gareth, he crossed over into every aspect of Sonic Media that requires voice acting, whether it's the games, the animation, the movies, online videos, commercials, toys, whatever. He has the most main canon games and has the largest episode count of any single uh, Sonic cartoon at 104 with Sonic Boom, which I didn't realize that had that many episodes. Wow. Um, yeah, me neither. It's it's pretty uh, crazy for for him. Um. And what he thinks is very possible is that Ben Schwartz might be our new Sonic. I was wondering. Just to have that synergy between the Sonic movie and this. And Ben Schwartz, you know, Hollywood voice actor, but I'm reminded of another actor that was on DuckTales is Larry. I work on DuckTales. 
they're not exactly mm. paid. You know, it's not exactly high amount. Um, so it's possible that Ben Schwartz might be the one to voice Sonic I, going forward to have that synergy. I don't. I can, it, oh, go ahead. Go, go, no, go ahead, Steve. I was just going to say, I cannot think of Ben Schwartz without imagining John Ralphio from Parks and Rec. And that is. I've not seen Parks and Rec. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. Once you see the character John Ralphio in Parks and Rec, you'll never be able to imagine Sonic not being a douchebag. I'm just saying. Oh, God. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, Sonic kind of already is a douchebag, but that's what makes him so lovable. Oh, yeah. is he's kind of. <laughs> yeah. True. Um this this if it is if that is what they're doing uh this is something that hits close to home for me that i just really don't like you know i mean my, my dad being who he is and obviously a very mm-hmm. successful voice actor you know he has lost you know he's been and he wouldn't complain he's he's had an incredibly successful career but he's lost quite a few roles to less talented actual voice actors because they're hollywood stars and I'm not saying Ben Schwartz isn't fantastically talented. He is a great actor. He was great in the Sonic movie. Not calling that into question. But I just don't like it when when talented voice actors are replaced just so you can have a big Hollywood name in your credits. That that drives me crazy. And if that's what's happening here, I get it I, from Sega's perspective, I guess. But I just it's so is Gross. Ben Schwartz that big of a name, though? I don't even think he was listed on the thing. It was Jim Carrey and um, oh, what's his name? The the other human that was mainly listed. Uh, oh, ben James Schwartz Mars- was kind of a, James Marsden. That's it. He was also he was mainly an also ran. So I, I think Ben Schwartz might be just doing that transition a bit into voice acting and just comedy. So oh, Ben was listed. Rob Armanix. Okay, um, I thought he was. Yeah, yeah I, I don't was- know. I don't remember it seeing you on the poster. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm basing it more on. Um, but yeah, right, I don't know. Right. I, I I don't know how it all goes. I know this has made people wonder, like, is there going to be just an entire switch up with the cast like we had before with Sonic Colors? And of course, that immediately brings up the pitchforks of don't you dare. Don't you dare right. uh, touch Eggman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I, seriously. And I just no want to one, point out that no one shorts... can touch Mike Pollock. <laughs> Exactly. Please don't touch. Yeah, exactly. And I just want to point out, obviously, Twitter followers aren't, you know, a, 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 a the sole metric of somebody's popularity or celebrity. But Ben Schwartz has 1.2 million followers on Twitter, while Roger Craig Smith has 100,000. So sure. Ben Schwartz has 10, 10 times as many, basically. And right. so I, you know, it, that could be what's happening here. And again, I don't want to I don't want to uh, call Ben Schwartz's obvious talent into question. He's a great actor. But Roger Craig Smith is Sonic. He he has been Sonic in, in everything except the movie for a decade. And it's just, if that's why he's being, you know, it, it, I mean, I, I, I do believe Tara Strong when she says that he's been replaced. I know Tara. She's a, an amazing person. Uh, I know her through my dad and we've chatted. She wouldn't say something like that without having good cause to do so. I don't, I don't think she's just trying to stir the pot. If she said that, I believe <laughs> that he's been replaced. And yeah, mm-hmm. that sucks. It sucks. So That's how about say. those other stories we got? <laughs> yes, yes. Let's go ahead. We'll, and move we'll get on. back to the Sega stuff soon enough. <laughs> yeah, we actually we are uh, talking about this a little bit more later in the show, as I mentioned. But for now, uh, let's go ahead and turn our attention to Activision Blizzard. We have an update on. Uh, uh, I think there. you missed the topic, guys. Oh, did I? Oh, I have it in the wrong order on my screen. My bad. So actually, we're talking about Nintendo. This is actually really cool. So yeah, this is this uh, is pretty cool. Yeah, so Nintendo, a Nintendo company book from 2007, uh, way back during the before times, has uh, revealed a bunch of potentially uh, potential Wii logos that we could have gotten 
uh, other than the one we actually did. And this is just so cool, I think. Like, there are so mm-hmm. many designs here that's, that are just, like, they completely run counter to what the Wii's brand identity ended up being, right? But it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this era for Nintendo was when they were definitely trying to emulate Apple and what Apple was doing, like, you know, white on gray, mm-hmm. similar iconography in their branding, stuff like that. So to see that they went through all these permutations of the logo, many of which are not even close to what we got, is interesting. I, I particularly like the one in the lower right because all I can see is someone crying. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Cry, cry about it, gamers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's funny how a lot of them are so similar to what we ended up getting. And it's basically just Nintendo playing with fonts, trying to mm-hmm. figure out what kind of stands out. And some of them come across as really confusing. Like, some of them look like more WM than we. Yeah. I the, yeah. the one that is highlighted in the lower left of the tweet, like with the misspelled beginning like we beginning new era like (laughs) i would fully expect to see that on like a hong kong knockoff console box right yeah like what is also bullseye even on it (laughs) there's also one that basically kind of looks like a smile like it's almost like the rebel alliance symbol symbol from star wars yeah it has two little eyes like a tooth like it's this one two smile like it's like uh it's um oh what's his name from uh Luigi's Mansion. Uh, Egad. Egad? Yeah. E- yeah, Egad. <laughs> Egad's tooth. It's so weird. Yeah, you know. Well, they're, they're, yeah. I was going to say, it's really funny how they iterated on this. And honestly, it we we all made fun of the name Wii back in 2007. Mm. Oh, or, yeah. Or whenever it oh, launched. Yeah. We all made fun of it. We're like, what a dumb name. But looking at all the options they went through, I really think Nintendo nailed it. They got it. Yeah. It, it it's unique, doesn't stand out too much. It isn't weird. It isn't some mm-hmm. of these are really aggressive like Derek pointed out. Uh I think they got pr- the perfect approach of like casual without looking too baby like something that isn't embarrassing for an adult to own. And I think mm-hmm. that was the first time Nintendo really gave one of their products that kind of consideration. Well, maybe the DS, but yeah, I would yeah. I would say that this is a I miss this era of Nintendo. I miss how they're kind. Of, well, they've kind of replicated. No, that they, with the they have a fun thing. I with feel the like Switch the Switch logo. is. Yeah, I feel like the Switch is actually that quite snap sleek. is iconic yeah. at this point. The the Switch yeah. logo is really bold and stands out, and it definitely doesn't feel like something for children. So I guess yeah, they've they've carried that on somewhat. It's, some of these logos are wild because they they don't even look. They're not even readable as we. So, like, there's one in the middle of the... If you uh, click the top right image of the tweet, there's one, like, in the top middle that looks like the Rebel Alliance logo from Star Wars. I You can barely see the two little eyes. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about, the giant Egad's w. teeth. Oh, it, okay, I didn't even see it from that perspective. Now I see his teeth. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> We're looking at the same one. It's like a and smile, if you go down, yeah. Yeah, and if you go down three from that, you we have what looks like two upside-down triangles and two... Right side up triangles. That, they, right. that doesn't look like anything except triangles. Like I know some of these are really, really, really esoteric. It, there, there's one uh, on here uh, on the right side of the lineup of the logo, uh, all the logos. Basically, it looks like the M and M's M upside down. Yeah, <laughs> for, the, for it. Uh, and then at the very top, honestly, that that should have, that could have almost been the Wii U logo because it. I, I actually really like that as a Wii U logo. If you look go. Um, to the very top row, 
Uh, let's go. It's the sixth one from the top. I uh, crawl from the left. Okay. It has that sort of that W and then the cursive into the two eyes. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. It, that looks like Wii U to me. And that's actually kind of cool for mean. Wii U. Yeah. yeah. I see what you mean. God, this is just so interesting. Like, it, it's so it, – it's just a, it's a fun window into how different the Wii era could have been in terms of, of its branding and just its oh, its whole vibe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and when you think about it, this likely would have informed other aspects of the console's design, like the UI, the user interface would have looked different. Oh, yeah. Because they would have designed it around the aesthetic of this logo, right? We got a, we got a, a very minimalist white and gray vibe off of the final Wii U, UI, but it would have been... I mean, imagine if it was bright orange you know, or, mm-hmm. or, right. or any of these other options they went with. It would have looked insane. It... it I don't know. I like what we got. I love looking into these kind of discarded ideas of the past, though. Um, Same. You know, and it, it, and logo iteration, like you guys mentioned, someone mentioned in the chat, logo iteration is super normal. I mean, our logo, oh, yeah. GVG, and, and the logo you're looking at on TNT have been through multiple versions. Oh, yeah, and we're small scale, so imagine something as, at the size of Nintendo trying to come up right. with that thing. Yeah, you've probably exactly. got dozens of people workshopping ideas like some of these have like i I noticed one of the recurring themes throughout some of these discarded concepts is there's just a square floating around in some of these like under the w at the end of the word we i wonder if there Mm. was some significance to squares at some point with this because i see a lot of those discard logos have them in odd places yeah another thing i noticed a lot is uh Turning the eyes into people holding hands or being yep. together. Uh-huh. That's a very common. Yeah. Uh, that one here. makes sense to me. The The Wii was mm-hmm. very much, you know, marketed as something that everyone in the house should be playing. Uh, mm-hmm. Not not that mine was ever used like that. <laughs> my yeah. Wii was mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Mine too. Yeah. I played with my family on occasion, but I, I do mm-hmm. like the, the Wii uh, logo that has like a, the infinity symbol for the eye dots. Yeah. That's fun. That, that really yeah. reminds me of the revolution, honestly, when it was mm-hmm. going by that code name. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I remember that. I remember back when, yeah, back in the, oh, the, the Everybody was days. like, it needs yeah. to be called the revolution. Yeah. I yeah, love this. That was, Impos- for a while, it was the Nintendo revolution. Imposter yeah. in the uh, chat. The square is a GameCube since the Wii is just two GameCubes duct taped together. Well played. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Speaking of the chat, I want to give a shout out to the Amazing Blazon, who says, Hi, longtime listener, first time live viewer. Glad hey. to be here, and thank you for always spreading such good vibes. Thank you for uh, yeah. joining us, man. We're glad to have you here. Yeah. I think also this is the first time the Heldrick in the in chat this has is, been in the chat. This is the Heldrick's second time. Uh, oh, sorry they, about that. They popped in for the last episode, uh, and they are for, yes. all the way from Germany, I believe. So uh, That's right. That's Abend. right. I hope you're. I hope they were saying only some, popping some in rest. like once a month. So my God. <laughs> also, uh, I, I, meant, or I uh, mentioned something they said in the chat earlier, but Jim and I, J I M I and I, welcome to you. I have not. Don't think I've seen your name in the chat before, um, but it's great to have you here nonetheless. And thank you for joining us. And I love your name, by the way. That's super cool. That's yeah. That's clever. Oh, yeah. I love this. <laughs> Evernight Studio says Hendrick, the Knight of Heliodor, is in chat. <laughs> that's so oh. good. Oh, so awesome. good. That just makes me want to go play DQ11 again. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Well, shall we move on to... Now we'll, we finally will actually talk about Activision. All right. 
Just a little All bit. All right. Just a little bit. So uh, on Wednesday, we, we reported on Activision essentially complaining that they uh, had to hire, that they were, you know, essentially being forced to hire minority co- candidates for, uh, you know, job positions at Activision. Basically saying it's not, it's not fair. It's not fair to us. It's not, inten- un- it's not tenable. It's too hard to have to interview, to be expected to interview minority candidates for jobs. Well, they have now mm. issued a follow-up statement to that. And it's bas- it basically reads like so much PR speak, but they yeah, they have said it does. Um, I'll just a snippet from a statement by by Activision president and COO Daniel Allegre or Allegre. Uh, he says Vice completely mischaracterized the SEC Vice uh, the outlet uh, of course Vice completely mischaracterized the SEC filing made by our outside attorneys. In fact, our hiring practices are rooted in ensuring diversity for all for all roles. Blah 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 blah. So basically, they're saying we're not at fault. We embrace diversity. Um, you know, yeah, okay. the vice mischaracterized. We us aggressively and, recruit yeah. diverse candidates. Listen, there's, yeah, there's, and it, yeah. There's so much bullshit in this statement. Yeah. First off, I love exactly. the I love this subtle shifting of blame. Our outside attorneys, mm-hmm. as in not the ones that work for us. These I guys love don't work for yeah. us. But also, <laughs> vice is lying to you. Like, just shut up. You have a bad, icky, nasty response to something. And you paid these people, so they're working for you. So you hired bad, nasty, icky people to make bad, nasty, icky statements for you. Just yeah. suck it up, Buttercup. You did a bad, dumb yeah. thing. Apologize. That's it. That's it. Just yeah. Well, it, yeah, we're and not only, and not only that, but but they they took this or or Daniel Allegre uh, took this as an opportunity to just boast about Activision. This should be about the issue at hand, about not hiring minority candidates, or about complaining about having to. But in the second part of his statement, he says, Our games have uniquely influenced popular culture and have helped to increase tolerance and inclusion through their connectivity, as well as the heroes we portray and our stories that celebrate diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, those so Call of Duty ways. heroes. Yeah, all those Call of Duty heroes, right? Like, what? Come on. Like, don't make this. I mean, I, yes, that's good PR, right? Make it about you. Take any negative attention make, you know, and, and use it to bolster your brain. Oh, yeah. I get that that's what you're supposed to do. God, this is such bullshit, though. Like... <laughs> Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, Blizzard yeah. handles it pretty well thanks to Overwatch, but Activision? Mm. Well, they, they were handling it until, uh, well, I yes, they Overwatch is a good look for them. But then, of course, the, their whole anti-democracy, Hong Kong democracy nonsense oh, right. didn't, yeah, oh, that kind of just tanked their whole image. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> right? So Activision Blizzard really can't, <laughs> really can't get it together on the uh, public-facing front here. Not yeah. really. I, I yeah, there's not a lot to say about this. It's just no. Uh, it's just more they, of a follow up. Yeah, yeah, it's a follow up, and it's Activision just trying to save face, which you know that's what they got to do. That's business 101, right? Yep, PR 101. But uh, all right, well, let's go ahead and move on to our next story, which kind of brings things back around to Sega, like I was talking about earlier about some major shakeups going on there. And uh, this one uh, pertains to someone who isn't involved directly with Sonic. Uh, it's Toshihiro Nagoshi, who is the general director of Ryoga Gotoku Studio, uh, a.k.a. the Yakuza developers, uh, who is stepping down as Sega's chief creative officer uh, to take the position of creative director. Now, I don't want to say that sounds like a demotion because creative director is still really cool, but CCO to creative director does kind of sound like a step down. Um, and it just, again, makes me wonder what's going on here at Sega. Again, I'm not saying they're getting bought out, but there's a lot of shakeups going on here, you guys, and I'm just wondering yeah. what it's all about. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I, I have to wonder because uh, RGG Studio is wildly successful. I mean, exactly. Yakuza Like a Dragon is wildly successful. Um, 
and they have to be bringing someone in to fill that C-suite role. Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of smoke at Sega right now, and I don't know what to make of it because, again, I truly don't believe that they're going to sell off their games division. I just don't no. see it happening. Yeah, they're doing either. too well. It, it doesn't make sense. Uh, but maybe, maybe the, I. It's hard to say because I never know what Sega's thinking. I, I can't understand no. any of the moves they make. Who can, right? Uh, Who could possibly? So maybe they're trying to de-emphasize the importance of the Yakuza series, but that doesn't make sense because it's well, one of their best that? series. But I, but then again, this is Sega. So, you you know, often what seems like it makes sense, they'll go and do the opposite. Yeah. So, Jer- Jared Ediger in the chat says, it sounds like he'd be going more more hands-on this way. So, right. I was about right. to say, maybe he wants to focus less on the business of running could be. A, a company and more on the business of creating games. Because, Ash, you and I have interviewed uh, Toshiro Nagoshi at E3 before, Toshihiro yes. Nagoshi. And he was very, you know, very approachable. I, I never would have guessed he was a C, C-level executive at Sega at the time neither, we interviewed actually. him. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I just knew he was the guy in charge of Yakuza. And I was like, oh, man, mm-hmm. he's really cool. Very down to earth. I had no idea that we were interviewing like a, you know, a top executive at the company at the time. Um, he seems very hands on with the series. So maybe he just mm-hmm. wants to get away from the distractions that, you know, that come with being such a at such a high post, right? That's the optimist yeah. in me right. speaking. Yeah, and it may not be. It, it, yeah, I mean, I certainly don't think it's it's punitive or anything. Obviously, this man's success speaks for himself, and there just may be something going on at Sega that's bigger than him. But, you know, even if title-wise it sounds like a step down, this, this may actually, you know, allow him to be thrust into a more creative, hands-on role that he might prefer anyway, which in which case mm-hmm. it's, it's a step up. So it really is just all depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, uh, Yakuza will likely continue to be great. <laughs> so, exactly. So, Eddie Beal says Phil Spencer is looking to become head of the Toja clan. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, oh, Cloud and Collected, he could actually work on Sonic this way. That is true. Um, right. Microphone has a question, probably directed, seems to be directed at you, Steve, because uh, it says, Do you, did you think Bethesda would have been bought before the, before it happened? Good point. Oh. Yeah. You know, uh, no. I mean... <laughs> I will I will be the first to admit that the Bethesda acquisition surprised me. Um, I mean, if you look... Because it's really hard to look at a company that's had one real bad game and be like, oh, yeah, they're, you know, getting bought. And I'm speaking, of course, about Fallout 76. That was a hot turd of a game. <laughs> but I never would uh, have expected the Skyrim guys needed money. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right, uh, right. So so I kind of figure, like, oh, you know, they can they can have a real bad game and it'll be fine. It just speaks to, if I remember correctly, that was a ludicrous sum that Bethesda was acquired for, though. I mean, wasn't it? Mm, oh, it was like, huge. Yeah, it was. I, I just remember mm-hmm. it being a massive number. I'm not even going to pretend to know. Somewhere in the hundreds of billions or something. Oh, seven billion. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, man. there you go. Seven point five billion. That's still Chris, a lot Chris of money, Masterson. man. That is enough to buy everyone in this audience a house and a Ferrari and have billions left over. So yeah, and, <laughs> and, and remember <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last time we last time on TNT we did note that um, Microsoft banked fifteen billion. So they got pockets. Yeah, they got deep pockets. Yeah. So. Right. I guess it makes sense. I, I guess, you know, a- anything's a target when you have that kind of money, right? Mm-hmm. You can paint a target on anyone for $7 billion. You want to buy me right. personally, I'll sell myself to you <laughs> for $7 billion. I will make your waffles every day. Make your waffles. Yeah. But, uh, oh. yeah, so, so it, 
the the world of corporate acquisitions is a mystery to me. Anybody could yeah, be bought tomorrow, and I probably wouldn't see it coming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. We'll see what happens. Well, shall we move on to our next story of the day? Let's. Absolutely. All right. Now, we've got a ton of news coming in on the Tomb Raider front. Um, this, of course, uh, is going to be the series' 25th anniversary pretty soon. And uh, so Crystal Dynamics has kind of come out and talked about what they've got in in store. And uh, at the top of the... We were actually going to report on this a couple days ago, but we just kind of got pushed away for other news stories. But first off, Netflix is developing, de- developing a Tomb Raider anime, which could be pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I originally would have thought the, you know, the Castlevania anime sounded like a joke, too. And then it came out and it was awesome. So <laughs> yeah. I'm keeping I'm keeping my uh, my expectations high for this, hopefully. Um, but what's more interesting is that uh, Crystal Dynamics is working, uh, quote unquote, working to unify the timelines of the original Tomb Raider games with the more recent reboot trilogy. And uh, this comes from an IGN article. Uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and just read this paragraph here because it's pretty telling. Um, While the reboot trilogy told the origin story of Lara Croft becoming the Tomb Raider, the original games, quote-unquote, featured a seasoned and confident adventurer, said game director Will Kerslaki. Uh, The the development team envisions, quote, and I quote, a future of Tomb Raider unfolding after these established adventures, telling stories that build upon the breadth of both core designs and Crystal Dynamics' games, working to unify these timelines. So... Interesting. They they, yeah. they definitely seem to have a like a coalesced collective view of what they want Tomb Raider to be in the next stage of its existence, right? Yeah. Um, and the, the, cool. the anime that they're making apparently also takes place after Shadow of the Tomb Raider. So Right. So it's interesting because, you know, obviously anybody who's played the, the Tomb Raider games know how knows how wildly different in tone and presentation the original core design games are from the reboot trilogy. The reboot yeah. trilogy is, uh, is a lot more, it's a lot more realistic and gritty. Uh, well, you know, realistic, but you know, it, it's a lot grittier. Lara's own character design is a lot more realistic in terms of what women actually look like. Um, you know, so I, I'm curious to see how they're going to unify these two timelines, because even aside from Lara's physical design in the, the original games, I feel like the presentation was a lot more, was a lot lighter in tone. Tongue in cheek. A a little bit more, yeah, a little more tongue in cheek, a little bit more swashbuckling, Uncharted-esque. You know, it it wasn't quite (laughs) as dark and and moody as the the, the reboot trilogy. So I'm curious to see where they're going with this. I I have Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I've not played it because I enjoyed, loved the Tomb Raider reboot. And really enjoyed Rise of the Tomb Raider, uh, though I don't think its story was as memorable as the first one. I, th- I thought the uh, the gameplay was definitely better in Rise, but I mm-hmm. the story didn't really hook me as much. And I just haven't gotten around to Shadow of the Tomb Raider yet. Uh, I am interested in it's it. It's the though. same story. I, I, I previewed it for Game Explain, and it's it's basically the same the same story as Rise compared to the original. The gameplay continues to evolve, and it's great, but the story is just actually Rise had a perfectly fine story. I thought the story in Shadow is just terrible it's actual just oh, garbage. Really? i'm sorry is she at least it's really bad does she yeah. have her confidence by the end because that's one thing that always kind of stuck to me is that she, she never kind of got that confident she yeah she definitely her uh, the, the the character of lara herself is done well yeah she's more confident but some of the actions she takes in the in the story of shadow are pretty suspect um and there's also this whole thing about the the white savior kind of 
feeling oh. that that yeah that Shadow of the Tomb Raider kind of has. And it's a little weird, um, but the story surrounding Lara is just. Nice. So stupid in Shadow of the Oh, no. It's so... Oh, no, no, it's, it's not a good story. Like, the villain is, is uninteresting. Yeah, I don't need to keep going on. But Shadow of the Tomb Raider narratively was a mess, I thought. But the game was fun. So you should play it, Derek. Yeah, I've played through the first two. Eventually. Can you still find, uh, like, your if your friends die at a certain portion of the game, can you find, like, their backpacks or their gear? Because I know that was a thing in Rise of the Tomb Raider, I believe. Was it? I, was it? One, I don't remember one that of, One of the Tomb Raider reboot games had a feature where if someone on your friends list died in a certain spot, you could find oh, their friends backpack. list. Oh, oh I thought friends you were talking about, list. like, friends in the... I don't know. I, I no, don't know. None of my yeah. friends really play this, so... Yeah, I only... That, that's only memorable to me because I reviewed the first two games in the, in the reboot trilogy, and so I was playing it when very few people were playing it, and I ran across another journalist backpack, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." <laughs> I didn't realize. Yeah, nice. We were we were practically on pace with each other. Nice. Um, on top of all this, Crystal uh, Dynamics has said that they have a whole suite of surprises and announcements planned for uh, throughout the year for uh, Tomb Raider's 25th anniversary. So, you know, who knows what I that don't, means? But I don't. I mean, trust they did also like said that. Um... It they don't have plans for a major game announcement in the near future, so it's right. It's so I don't probably going to be a while. Although yeah. I find it funny here in the uh, IGN makes a note that Laura's latest adventure, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, was released in 2018. IGN Shadow of the Tomb Raider re- uh, review awarded a nine out of ten, calling it a powerful finale to Laura Croft's origin trilogy. Yeah, apparently they saw really. something you didn't dash. I, I disagree with that that take entirely. It was <laughs> a good game for sure, but it was not a powerful. It didn't make me feel anything. If anything, I was just like, this is it, story-wise. I was like, this is it? That's the final boss? That's the... Vi- really? So, I don't know. That I don't... Hey, everyone has their own opinion. I'm not I'm not trying to undercut IGN's reviewer, but I disagree with that take entirely. <laughs> Gentlemen, um, yes. I am proud to announce that Ooh. I have a little bit of breaking Ooh. news. We wow. love breaking news here. We've got a brand new member of the EP squad, Flaming Highwaymen. Coming in oh, brand wow. new hey. at the uh, $25 tier. So uh, welcome aboard if you're in the... I, I didn't see you in the audience today, but welcome aboard if you're watching, since you obviously have that right as an executive producer. And man, you're coming in right before the credits. So we will, yeah. We yeah. will call out that well, name. Well-timed. Yeah. Oh, there. Thank there you he so is, much. Flaming Highwaymen in the chat. So hey. welcome aboard. We are so glad to have you. Thank you so much for your generous contribution. Thank uh, you so uh, how much. Many EPs I, I feel like we're always now? saying thank you. Uh, I think we, it's 76. Wow. So yeah, 76, <laughs> which is wild. Wild. You are so generous. Yeah. And and like we always say, we, we're glad to read those names. And if you're not an EP, if you are an EP, we appreciate you all the same. Uh, thank you so much yeah. for joining. But you know, we value everyone from $1 all the way up to the crazy high tiers. Y'all mean the world to us. Yes. Yes, indeed. And for those of you watching the VOD, we also, you know, even if you're not supporting us on Patreon, we just, if you subscribe and are just here to enjoy our content, we love you for that, too. Just we appreciate all the goodwill. We, we just we just hit 65K. That's incredible. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. 65,000 subs. We are we are onward and upward. We, we appreciate Hell. like, subscribe, comment, whatever you do to interact with us. Even if you tell me that I say like a lot, which I did see on one of our videos. And I agree. I do. I'm working on it. But <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Also. We, we all know have our, our visual our tics. editing ourselves. We know our visual or vocal tics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's true. I say uh, a lot. So it's, yeah, I say yeah, uh, a lot. Our... I have a nervous oh. laugh at all the time. It's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Hey, we all, it's, it's a, 
it's totally cool. We all have our yeah. things we got to work on. But uh, no, thank you all so much for your support. And, yeah, you're uh, all awesome. Yeah. Well, should um, we have our final topic considering getting close to the uh, over the hour already? Yeah. So let's go ahead and uh, bring up our final topic. All right. And uh, this involves Astral Chain, a, uh, a more recently popular uh, Platinum IP, but it is actually no longer a Platinum IP, or maybe never was, because Platinum has now confirmed that it is Nintendo's IP, uh, after fans have noticed the cop- some you know, public-facing copyright changes regarding Astral Chain. So I, I would say on its face, this doesn't look good for the future of Astral Chain, just because I feel like Platinum you know, platinum games probably would have been likelier to want to make Astral Chain 2 than Nintendo will be. Um, perhaps not, who knows, but I have a feeling that, that this might mean the IP is uh, not going to be too active going forward. How do you guys feel about this? It's a shame because I everybody talks about it. I mean, I have it, obviously. I just haven't had time to a chance to play it yet, but everybody mm-hmm. I talk to um loved it and once more because apparently ends in a bit of a cliffhanger mm-hmm. yeah kind of that's, that's I what i heard that it did i don't remember it too vividly i will say that it is a really fun game but it was not the type that is super memorable like it didn't blow me away in terms of the narrative of it but the mm-hmm. combat and the mm-hmm. action and, and the visuals for a switch game are incredible I mean, I, that's kind of Platinum's MO. Right. Yeah, it, it was right. It was like, you know, okay, from a story perspective, it worked uh, as a story, but really it was all about the action and, and just, it, it felt like a really good uh, medium pace between like your typical action game and your faster paced stuff like Devil May Cry or Bayonetta. It felt like a good mm-hmm. middle ground between those super high octane action games and your run of the mill stuff. It was somewhere in between them. I just absolutely loved how, how it... uh how how it was paced and how the action felt. I, I thought that controlling like the, I don't even remember what they're called anymore. But like your your astral characters, right? Like the because mm. eventually you could get different ones and change between them. I absolutely thought that that would be too much. Like it would be too distracting to try to manage like a, a partner character with your main character. But they they made it work so so well. And it's one of those games that I feel like I just need to come back to. Yeah, you basically as BJ Bovia says your stand. Like it, it felt like <laughs> oh, it's you're, a you're playing a JoJo game. Oh, uh-huh. So yeah, officially um, called a legion. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right, <laughs> legions. So apparently prior to this, the the Astral Chain IP was co-owned by Platinum and Nintendo. And uh as I mean it it basically looks like exactly what it is on its face, which is just the the IP has transferred ownership to Nintendo alone, which I do think, I mean, that obviously makes it very clear that we're not going to see Astral Chain appear on other platforms unless Nintendo yeah, decides to divest themselves of the IP, but I kind of doubt they'll do that. Um, I mean, even even studio head Atsuji Inaba said uh, when he was asked if anything should be read into this change, he replied, it's as it looks. So I think that's pretty much as clear an right. answer as we're going to get on this. It is what I mean, it looks Nintendo like. did save Bayonetta, so I wouldn't say it's out of the question. True. True. To do that, to, to, to for them to make a sequel, especially if it's sold that well. Yeah. Well, thank you, actually, Derek, for that mini segue, because there's <laughs> a little bit more uh, here than just uh, Astral Chain news. Uh, and this all comes from in, uh, a new interview with Hideki Kamiya and uh, Atsushi, Atsushi Inaba. Uh, but we should probably just forget about Bayonetta 3 for now, because we're going to get more news when it's ready, but it's just not ready. And uh, they're they're basically saying, hey, we're taking our time with it. And... Just wait. 
And so mm. it, does, it doesn't sound as though it's coming anytime soon. I mean, Kamiya basically outright says, just forget about or suggests that we should forget about Bayo 3 until they're ready to release something. Yeah, and as if that's going to happen, right? There's no way anybody's forgetting about this game. You know, so this falls squarely into the category of games I expected to come sooner, but now I fully expect are like Switch Pro launch titles. Because okay, I could see that. Maybe. I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. neither hide nor hair from Bayo 3 or Metroid Prime 4. Both of those are games that I think folks would expect. I think the expectation is there from the pedigree of both of those series that they should be technical showcases to, to show off what the hardware is capable of. And, and if Nintendo is truly planning a Switch Pro, and I'm firmly in the, in the column that believes they are. Me too. They have to have yeah. some titles ready to go with the launch of that hardware. Even if it's not, you know, even if it's not like a full-on successor, something that replaces or supplants the Switches we all have now, which, again, I firmly believe it, it's not going to replace it. They still have to have some games that show off why you want to buy this new hardware. And the only games that we know of that I can think of are Breath of the Wild 2, Bayo 3, and Metroid Prime 4. Those are mm-hmm. games that everyone would want to look the best, perform the best, and and would really be the types of games that would push people like the three of us here to go out and drop whatever Nintendo's asking on for a new Switch, even if it does just play all the same games better. <laughs> I mean, that's right. why people got a PS5. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's why we... Um... Oh. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that's why that's why people are clamoring to get them. That's why you know Derek had to had to d- invest so much of his time to find one, right? Mm-hmm. So exactly, yeah. There, there's um, that lure. Now, everything we've been talking about uh, so far has been based on a tweet by just uh, bullet points and a tweet by Nibel. But I was looking more into this, and he uh, he screen capped a really funny part of, the, yeah, of this interview that. with Video Games Chronicle. You saw this, Derek. So, uh, Video Games Chronicle in their interview was was asking uh, asking them about Takahisa Tora's progress as a director uh, in the wake of Astral Chain success. And I, I love Inaba's answer here. He says, "As far as Platinum is concerned, Tara is the best director at the company. Kami is probably the fifth best director at the company currently. <laughs> he needs to get a game out and work his way back in again. I love it. <laughs> and he's sitting right next to Kami as he says this. I love their I relationship. Think he, I think he knows he can get away with that, too. Oh, totally. Totally. Oh, yeah. I love the, it. The two of them have to get along because whenever I've been offered to interview one or the other, it's always a duo. It's always the two mm-hmm. of them at the same time. So mm-hmm. they they have to be pretty exactly. buddy-buddy with each other. Although mm-hmm. that might get Inaba blocked on Twitter. That might be enough. <laughs> it might be enough. <laughs> that might be, yeah. I I, um, I am very curious about this because they also went into details, uh, thanks to Nibel's bullet points uh, here. Apparently the next Platinum 4 reveal will bring a smile to fans' faces and it's smaller in scale. Right. And Project GG is still very early in dev. Those so are the they other have a two lot things of to talk. Yeah. projects in the fire, but it's like we don't know when it's coming. <laughs> like yeah. I almost wonder if they're stretching themselves too thin, but I don't know how exactly how big platinum <clears throat> is. Right. I was we, wondering. We know... Oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I would say we know too little about project GG for me to be that interested in it yet, but right. I'm really curious to, about this platinum four reveal. That'll be smaller in scale and bring a smile to fans' faces. I'm actually really curious to, as to what that might be. I, I wonder if part of how astral chain ended up back with Nintendo is if, Nintendo just realized at some point that Platinum was too damn busy <laughs> to to make an Astral Chain mm-hmm. 2 on on the timeline that they would want it made. 
and they said, mm-hmm. hey, we'll buy the IP back from you. We just need a sequel. And y'all won't won't get it in the time frame that we need it. So maybe mm-hmm. they'll do what Nintendo likes to do and farm it farm it out to Bandai Namco or something. No, jeez. Maybe, um, but I feel like you wanted to have that platinum feel to it. Hard to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Charlie Bird says, calling it now. Uh, Bayo 3, Breath of the Wild 2, and Metroid Prime 4 aren't this year. Uh, I think that's, other than Breath of the Wild 2, I think it has a chance to make it out this year. Absolutely. I don't think any of us were expecting Prime 4 or Bayo 3 this year. Were you guys? No. No. We would have a trailer by now if it was coming this year. That's how I feel. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I I think Breath of the Wild 2 could possibly sneak out as Nintendo's big holiday release this year, but also could just as likely be spring 2022. But this is also Zelda's 25th, so... So you know they want to have it ready. Oh, yeah, they, right, they, you yeah. know but they want they to have it. So want to. Yeah. my thought is, at the very latest, Zelda Breath of the Wild two comes oh, out. Twenty thirty. Thank you, Azran. I think I think at the latest, Breath of the Wild two can come out in February because Nintendo likes to stretch these anniversaries into yeah, the next do. year for whatever reason. Like we're still in the Mario thirty fifth somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, so I, but I think that they have to get Breath of the Wild 2 out during that 35th anniversary. It's like the linchpin of the whole event. Like Bowser's Fury seems to be the linchpin of Mario 35th, and then it's all over, right? I think that Nintendo probably has a plan similar to that where Breath of the Wild 2 is like the last thing that they do for this celebration, but where they ended is anybody's guess because obviously Breath of the Wild 2 would be an ideal November game. To get it out before the Christmas mm-hmm. rush of sales, you know, possibly bundle a a special edition Switch with it so that people pick up new hardware alongside it. I mean, I would. They'd have one sucker right here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just look at how, how well Hyrule Warriors did, and that's just a spinoff. Exactly. Right. The one thing I want, I hope more than anything, and it's dumb, but I hope that we get a gold Switch card. I just Ooh, want a gold go. Switch card. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah give, give cool. me that and I'll buy two copies. I don't care. Yeah, I have no <laughs> yeah. shame. Well, what'll happen is Europe will get it, but we won't because uh, we don't have a good a good uh, track record with getting cool That's Zelda true. collectors the editions Zelda in the U.S. Yeah. Everywhere else are so much better than ours. We we get the gold carts usually, though. Usually, sometimes. sometimes. That's true. That's true. Gold, um, uh, Joy-Con. Right. I mean, not Joy-Con. So uh, I f- oh wait, Joy- oh, Joy-Con. That'd be cool. Either way, I find Go my ahead, mind guys. drifting back to this smaller platinum announcement that'll bring a smile to fans' faces. What if? Just saying, what if they were able to strike a deal with Capcom for Kamiya to work on a new Okami project? They wouldn't. Nec- it wouldn't be a AAA game because I don't think they're going to pour that kind of money into it. But what if? Oh I'm man. Just saying, well, how about? I was wondering. I was actually <clears throat> thinking that same thing, and I wonder if they're going literal with their smaller in scale because mm-hmm. you play as Isun. That'd be interesting. Hey, you know what? I mean, I want Okami, the big Okami two or three, or however you want to categorize it. I want the big sequel. But I'd play mm-hmm. an Isun side game for sure. Like that yeah. explores what happens, you know, between Okami and Okami Den, or or explores kind of what happens on the celestial plane. I, I oh man, I want, I want a right. sequel so badly. <laughs> I, I hate to push things along. No. But no, we, we got to go into our post-show time. Yes. So that is all our news for today. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so let's go ahead and uh, wrap up here. But before we do, I just want to remind everyone, well, I want to thank our sponsor, Straight Lace, again, and remind uh, everyone watching to go check out their game, The Sol Device, on Steam. Um, but, yeah, that brings us to the end of the news for the day. And, uh, as always, thank you so much for all of your support. Um, no matter where you support us on Patreon or if you just support us on YouTube and just like and subscribe, we love you all. Uh, with that said, though, 
We owe an extra special thank you to our patrons at the producer tier for helping to make this show happen, because without you, it would not be happening. And, of course, a massive, massive thank you to our patrons at the executive producer tier and above. And here we go with this long, long list. It just keeps getting longer every day. And those <laughs> wonderful people are Rob Arman X, Dan and Twistle, Z Patty, Adam O'Sullivan, Floating Mew, Christopher, The D-Pad, Vesmio, Waffle King, Kieran Phillips, Rosa Bowling. Hi, Mom. <laughs> Geller. Wave this time. Sh- nice. Uh, Geller, Shiny Turkey, Titus Malvolio, Jake Pelka, Michael Phone, Mitchell Herring, Game Explain, Charles Zotz, Andrew Medeiros, Jonathan Belmare, Kitty Kong Fax, Patrick Harrison, Scott Barber, Evernight Studio, Rocks the Cat, Loyal Dingo, Azran127, Phantom23, Sean Garrett, Shadow the Cat, Guillaume Monet, Kai Ed, Kit Fisto, RMM, Top Dog 23100, West Egg, Master Lynx, Sean Davis, Deneth, Kota, Lucky Wonderfish, Brandon Bovia, Octopuppet, Charlie Bird, Matthew Wong, Ashish Joshi, Michael McCaw, Eric Flapjack Ashley, Jackson Jordan, Sky Blue Flames, Young Ben Kenobi, Hyrule Hermit, Goron Amber, Straight Lace, Hugo J8A, Seth Walker, Dway, Makalau, Kin Rule 09, Hubi, Marcos Conchas, Wolf X Blake and Moon Macarons, Demon, Demon Kid Zaraki, Spencer Katie, Leanne Mustafa, Brooke, Frequent Positron, Nick Waterman, The Legend of Groose, Vedron, Vedron Hotik, Kane, Captain Finlandia, 60 Minutes and 60 Seconds, Brady Power, Douglas Chomix, and our new our new EP for today, Flaming Highwomen. Highwaymen. Thank you all so much for your support. And remember, uh, you too can become a patron over at patreon.com slash gvgaming, where you can uh, watch today's news tonight live, like our live audience uh, patrons today, for as little as $5 a month. But we do offer a range of ways you can get involved in supporting us if you so choose. But as a reminder, even if you don't, we're just happy to have you here. And even if you just like and subscribe, we love you for that too. So as always, thank you all so much for watching, and uh, we'll see you next time. Have a great weekend, everybody, and uh, good night and good vibes. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. I waved the injured hand. That didn't feel great. (laughs) Ow.